Okay, we're live once again for Saturday Night 5 on a Saturday night, oddly enough. Uh, please make sure that you subscribe, rate, and review if you're on the uh, Going for Two uh, podcast feed. And if you're watching us here on YouTube, either live or later on, please make sure that you subscribe to the channel and uh, click the little bell, get the notifications, and maybe even give us a thumbs up on the video. Uh, I'm Brian Ford. And I'm here with a guest co-host tonight, Kyle Sandra. Kyle, how you doing? Hey, Brian, and hey, everyone who's watching, listening. Uh, I'm part of the Going for Two Live network as well. I host a couple shows, and uh, yeah, glad that uh, Brian had the invitation open to come on and talk some Dynasty here on the uh, Saturday Night Five. I mean, it was just two of us. Yeah, I, and you, uh, you you kind of beat me to it. I was gonna I was gonna tell you, uh, you know, let's uh, if for folks who may not be familiar, where can where can they find you and, and your stuff and, and all your work, whether they're going for two or, or not? So, yeah. So uh, speaking Dynasty, I co-host the Dynasty Gambit. We go on Thursday nights. And uh, yeah, in season, that kind of functions as a Thursday night pregame show. Uh, but, yeah, we can be a little looser with time now. There's not uh, any Thursday night games. Uh, typically, will be uh, uh, 8 p.m. Eastern. On, again, right now, every Thursday, uh, I guess we're coming up on the off-season programming after the Super Bowl, and when, then we'll flip to every two Thursdays. So, uh, yeah, I guess we have one week left of the uh, every week uh, on the on February 9th, and then we'll flip to every two weeks. After that, it'll be February 23rd, and then alternating weeks there. Uh, at the same time, I also have the press coverage show, which will be starting up on February 20th, and those will be Mondays, and again, every second Monday, uh, which I believe will be line up. It'll be the same weeks, so if you... You don't want to see me. You can go to the alternate weeks, and you can avoid me completely on the going for two live feed unless I pop up <laughs> on a guest show somewhere. Because uh, again, people are gracious enough to want to invite me and, and uh, have me talk along. And again, uh, if you see on the screen, but uh, for anyone listening uh, on Twitter at Senra says, if you do want to follow me, all my other uh, content uh, with a full press coverage as well. I've got a couple of podcasts there, talking fantasy a lot, uh, a Packers pod as well because I'm a Packers fan. But yeah, a lot of a lot of fantasy football talk for me. Right on, and um. So uh, I was really glad that you were you were able uh, to come on. We uh, I was able to pop on the the gambit a uh, couple episodes uh, ago, and uh, and we had a we had a good time. And um, I thought you know uh, a, a good topic for this time of year to to kind of give us a bit of a break from three four months of bickering about rookies uh, would would be to kind of see where we're at with rankings. Um, you know, it's kind of it's a little bit frozen in time ish. Right. Because the you know, the point scoring season is over. We haven't had the free agency bedlam yet. Right. So we kind of have a bit of stasis, if you will, uh, where we're you know, our, our rankings don't fluctuate too much usually. And uh, it's also, I think, a good a good uh, sort of temperature check as we move into the, the eve of free agency and you know, where, where we're at with folks and so, and sometimes how anticipating that free agency, especially with running backs will affect our rankings. So we're going to, we're going to talk a, a, about our, our rankings and some discrepancies therein. Uh, but before we do a couple things, uh, one, just for those of you who are not familiar or forget, uh, it's the dynasty Saturday night. Five. So we do lists of five. 
uh, as sort of the vehicle for, for talking about the dynasty topics. There you go. And uh, <laughs> so we, we each picked out five uh, sort of discrepancies in our rankings that, that kind of stood out that we, that we wanted to talk about in a, in a friendly, polite-ish uh, uh, kind of, uh, kind of pitchforks. <laughs> but before we, before we get into that, I thought it might be good to talk a little bit about sort of what each of our like approaches or philosophies might be when it comes to, to ranks, uh, as the guest, would you like to go first? Yes, I guess the, uh, you mentioned, you know, the, the temperature also makes it feel really frozen, but you're right. This is like the furthest away we are from scoring points. However, I guess when it comes to rankings, the, the my the easiest way I can wrap my head around it, I suppose, or where I most likely will use rankings is in drafts. So I tend to approach my rankings as how would I draft? If I was approaching draft, how, how would I really, how would I approach these tiers? And my rankings will kind of reflect tiers. So we'll talk about like, you know, chunks of players together uh, that kind of fit an archetype and, and almost uh, rather than one singular player, maybe even disagreeing the, the, or this, you know, a discrepancy in that, that archetype of player, it, should they be ranked higher or lower? And uh, yeah, we'll talk about that specifically at the wide receiver position, but I think it applies to quite a few positions. So, you know, the, the, the balance between building a team to win and building the team to last long-term as well. And, uh, and that kind of, there, there are times where my tiers are, okay, which tier is first, this one or this one? They almost work parallel in trying to decide, do I just kind of alternate the rankings and, and fuse the tiers together in, in the rankings? And, and uh, mm-hmm. I tend to not. I tend to usually, okay, if I've identified this tier, I'll put every player in that tier and then the next one. And you know, I think a lot of the times the discrepancy in tiers will usually age. These older productive players who are scoring more than these younger players, do I put them first or do I go with the younger players? And I think... Uh, a lot of times in drafts, it's it's uh, I guess kind of where I put those tiers. Sometimes I'll, I'll default to maybe the 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 what is what is a more scarce asset? If there's mm-hmm. fewer of these players at the very top of the production, but they're older, okay, I'll grab one now because my only chance to get one, thinking I'll get younger players, multiple younger players later. So sometimes that might come across in rankings again. I think uh, maybe most apparent at the, uh, near the top of the wide receiver position for that. So. Uh, yeah, some general philosophies there is that I, again, I tend to think it more from a, a draft and a startup perspective than I do necessarily like trade rankings, because I mm-hmm. find that isn't so linear. A lot of times it will be really flat tiers of player values of what a player is worth, mm-hmm. where you, know, you could have a player ranking discrepancy, but you can't really, you know, the, the value isn't enough where someone will actually pay a plus on the wide receiver 23 to move up to the wide receiver 18. True. Yeah. Um, before I get over uh, to mine, let's a few a few of our folks uh, checking in here. Uh, Zach with uh, FF Uncle Piff. Uh, you know, uh, one of the tattoo artists that uh, um, does uh, work on me. His name uh, his his handle is Piff Doom. So there you go. Just rang a bell there. Thanks. Thanks for checking in, Gator J. As per usual, uh, checking in, saying hi. Thanks so much for being here. Our pal Jamie wishing us to have a, a great show, but, uh, you know, can't stay. Watch later. Thank you so much, Kevin. Of course, The Cleveland connoisseur are always busy doing Cleveland things. Like yeah, yeah, you. exactly. Thanks for the support. <laughs> and uh, telling us, uh, telling folks to smash the uh, thumbs up button, of course. All right. So, um, you know, for me, I, I, in a sense, I'm the same 
you know, in that I, I think about this in a draft, but I also think about it in sort of um, if I'm investing, like if I'm coming in the door right now into Dynasty and investing, who do I want to have for the next two or three years, right? Um, and so I think age tends to play a bigger part of my formula, if you will, than, than perhaps maybe, maybe some other folks. Um, I kind of take into account like all sorts of variables, like talent and skill, like um, age, of course, you know, situation, um, you know, uh, current production, expected production, perceived value, right? That sort of thing. And sort of uh, kind of all that goes in to a big just pot and I start it, you know? And so my tiers tend to not be sort of um, uh, where you have those archetypes in there. Like, here's my tier of still productive veterans, or here's my tier of, you know, uh, young guys who are on the run. It's like, these are just if you were tiers. to look at my oh, rankings, my you could yeah. clearly see where the right. tiers were, whereas yours, you, right. you tend to, you'll mix the archetype of tiers. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And, and, okay. you know, uh, uh, while, we're, while we're saying it, we, we should probably say, you know, uh, our rankings are up on going, going for two.com. Uh, dynasty rankings um so we're starting to get those up now for the 2023 yearly cycle uh me kyle and, and jeff have them up so you can play long at home if you'd like uh but the the background tiers that we have on the back end of where we rank players doesn't show up on, on the website so we'll, we'll refer to the tiers uh you know uh as as best we can as as we're going through these things and so i kind of have gone back and forth in the last couple of years as like like correcting for being too ageist and then maybe i overcorrected and you know that sort of thing and i think lately especially uh, when it comes to running back i'm just saying listen i'm betting on youth i'm betting on talent and i'm betting on like you know who are the who are the guys who you know are are like solidly arrow up who are the guys where like if I picked the brain of somebody who was like a value only drafter, say, right, who would they rank? I'm like, I kind of have that voice in my head a little bit um, because I think that that matters. That matters because when you're looking at things like a stock market and the long haul, you have to take that into account. Right. You have to take that that aggregate into account. Right. Obviously in a trade situation or depending on how a startup is falling, I'm going to deviate from these rankings depending on my team need or, or something like that. But that's in general sort of how I've been approaching things recently. Cause I think I, I kind of was too far in, in the other way. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's funny cause I've listened to uh, Scott Connor a lot over the last couple of years, uh, Charles chill FFB on Twitter, and he does a lot of great dynasty content. Uh, the, under the dynasty and chill uh, moniker mm. and, and all sorts of other content. Uh, and he's talked about recently, you know, is there another way that like, if, if you could get somehow like a, a hype score for a player, for instance, <laughs> is kind of what he called it. Just knowing how much this player is liked by the community. Like, and, and you add that as a metric to the the production and the age and all the other things we look at to, to create these rankings of just kind of what you're talking about, like knowing how, people are going to perceive this player through the off season. And, mm -hmm. you know, the closer you get to the season and the points being scored, the less that matters, but especially now in February, that might factor more into rankings. If you could have something like right. that, a hype score now would probably be the time, especially before free agency, before the draft, you know, there's, 
mm-hmm. you know, the if uh, something bad happens to a player that people don't like, you expect their value to tank. But if yeah. something bad happens to a player that they do like, they'll justify it as being okay. So if, if you could have that hype score, that would just be one added bonus to look uh, analytically as, as a way to kind of perceive value. And again, especially most important when there is so much unknown. Yeah, I do try to sprinkle in in that that perceived value because after all, I'm not just I'm not just ranking like, I mean, first of all, I'm ranking for me. Like, I, you know, they they get published to a website, but it's really convenient to have them for myself. But but uh, you know, I'm I'm thinking of, of these guys not just as players or or even or even fantasy producers so much as they are for me like a dynasty asset, right? You know, uh, and so that that has to get you know, for me, folded in, folded in uh, to the rankings, you know, at at least, at least a little bit, right? Time to pay some bills. Uh, Today's show is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Uh, Underdog has it all. The industry leading best ball leagues with uh, huge tournaments, private leagues and pick'ems. And they're not just football. Uh, Scratch that itch during the off season by playing contests in every major sport. Sign up with promo code GF2. Uh, make a deposit of up to uh, $100, and it will be – well, you can make a deposit however much you want, but uh, Underdog will match that uh, up to $100. Go to Underdog, use the code GF2, get your deposit match of $100, start playing, and maybe even start winning. So, all right, time to uh, roll up the sleeves and do some splaining. Um, it's a sword sleeve shirt, so I didn't really <laughs> yeah. I Dude. <laughs> you're canadian right I'm, I'm in jersey i got my cardigan i got my thermal i got my t-shirt got my space heater as well as my heat like we're, we're i'm not I'm okay not messing yeah because the heat's on pretty strong here this week this week and this weekend so that's why i'm, I'm old forward to be warm in the house but uh yeah it's funny because you're talking about uh just like the apex of like production and value and all those things it, it seems like the one position where there's so much of that at the top of not just age, production, value, likability, the hype. Everything is quarterback position, right? Mm-hmm. That's what, like, I don't know if that's the first position you wanted to look at, but like, yeah, just let's do it. At the very top, it seems like it's it's super clear and obvious. Like even you and I are talking about before, we had the same top thirteen players, not listed identically in the same ranking order, but like that that's a clear cutoff there. I think we, we both have Trey Lance at QB thirteen, and I kind of felt. The top 12 is pretty clear, and Lance almost kind of falls in a tier of his own. Maybe there's a guy I think might be a little closer to Lance, but it seems like it's kind of a clear cutoff there that, you know, 14 onward, it gets just to be complete chaos at the quarterback position. So mm-hmm. in a single quarterback league, you almost don't want to really be drafting beyond QB 13. At that point, you can kind of almost pick guys off, off waivers in, in a single QB league, you know, 12 team, assuming. Uh, probably would, you know, there'll be viable ways to get points in your lineup a week, you know, a week that you need it for really cheap. But if you can, you know, you want to almost prioritize and exclusively just draft from that top 13, but in, in super flex, it, it feels like it's the same thing. Like you, you absolutely want to get your QB one in those first 13. So it's uh, sometimes you might not even just have a choice. Like they'll all, they'll all be going so early in super flex drafts that you just kind of take whoever gets to you. And, and I guess. Uh, oh, for sure. Yeah. I try not to leave uh, a super flex startup without two of these guys. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the, uh, if you can trade up even into the, you know, get the two first round picks, like I think that maybe something for, you know, we're supposed to talk rankings, but it, that could be a strategy that is really viable where you give up. I've, I've seen a lot of that last year and people talk about this year, give up your second and third round pick 
to get a first and then something like a seventh back. Still within the range of starters, technically, however many starters you have. If, so if to start nine, you'd want it to be in the first nine picks. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so it stretches out to start 12, 13. You could stretch that a little bit, but something around seven, eight, nine, I, I usually find works. And uh, I know one one draft I did last year to get Kyler Murray, who I guess it's a good transition because we're going to talk about Kyler Murray's ranking, but, uh, you know, had Justin Herbert already and traded up to get the second first round pick and gave up mm-hmm. the second, third and fourth pick in the startup to get the first, I think, a seventh and an eighth. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, take get the, your, your two elite quarterbacks, and then in that case, not drafting again until the fifth round, but even the 2-3 the trade, and, you know, you take your two elite quarterbacks, you might be able to get a fourth round pick. Uh, that I think that's certainly viable in Superflex. I don't think it's too much to give up, uh, giving both a third and a, a second and third round pick in a startup. I think the key is just to make sure you're always getting the extra startup pick back. Never do the unbalanced. Like if you're going to give two, three, four, okay, get that one, but right, then get yeah. get the seven and the eight or the seven and the ten. Like make sure to always get that second or or a you know a future rookie pick thrown in always, and, and don't necessarily also like I wouldn't want to tr- go through my future rookie picks to trade up to get the extra first. I'd rather trade within the startup, still maintaining the number of startup picks. And a lot of that strategy does again come from Scott Connor. I'll call him out a couple times. I do hear I listen to him a lot, but he preaches that a lot but I, I noticed that kind of works if you want to get those two elite quarterbacks and then build the rest of the team around just having those two and you don't really have to invest at the rest of the quarterback position too heavily you can fill your depth really cheaply and everything in the middle rounds is focused yeah. on the other three positions yeah all right so what's the uh so speaking of kyler what's the uh what's the one that you wanted to point out at, at quarterback so I, I just found this more funny and interesting but i think it does actually make an interesting debate because you know maybe the top Eight quarterback is pretty clear. Like I'd, I'd expect in a startup, it's going to be probably the first five are almost automatic. Allen, Mahomes, uh, Hertz, Burrow, Herbert. Like those are probably going to be the first five off the board. And then even Trevor Lawrence, Lamar Jackson, Justin Fields, all the hype they've gained. Like that's that's probably your first eight picks in the startup, unless a Justin Jefferson or a Chase, or if, you know if it's heavy enough tight end premium, I could see a Kyle Pitts go, still going in the first round with that hype even though my rankings don't say so, but uh, I like being the black sheep on Kyle Pitts. That's fine. Uh, Kyle Senra, not so big on Kyle Pitts, but uh, once it gets to like QB nine, that could be a real interesting pivot point where people can go in a lot of different spots. So you have Mm -hmm. Kyler at QB nine. I have Deshaun Watson actually at QB nine, but I found it funny that you have Watson at 12 and I have Murray at 12. So Mm -hmm. I was interested to hear your argument is once you get to that, like, end of the first round in the startup, that pivot point where you could, you know, you could feasibly go with the wide receivers. If the rookie picks are there, maybe the, the rookie one-on-one and take your shot at Bijan. And, you know, you, you'd, you'd plant your flag, it seems like, on Kyler Murray there as the quarterback pick if you're going to be picking late in the first. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, first of all, I think, you know, he's got a couple, I think a couple of years of you. He's younger. I think it might, I think it might even be two years. Um, I think it was two all, draft classes. I don't know if they were the same yeah, age coming out. Yeah. Uh, and so we're also looking at, I think, you know, not that Watson isn't athletic and mobile, but when it comes to cheat code, you know, you, we're, we're talking about Kyler sort of getting the edge there. Um, I think when I look at, I had Watson around, around 12 and I said, listen, I am more than willing to push him up into that tier where I have six through nine. Right. And if he shows that he can still play football and he didn't look very good coming back. Now that doesn't mean that I think 
he's never going to get up there. But like he didn't, I said, you know what? Prove it to me. He didn't prove it to me. So he remains there. So it's more so I think Watson didn't do enough to show me he's the old Watson than it is, you know, uh, a, a strong vote of confidence for, for Kyler over him. At the same time, I think, you know, people are really underestimating. Um, there, there's a chance that Kyler is liberated from Kingsbury now. And, mm. you know, it's, it's a good time to get him. Plus, he's cheap, right? Like, he, I, like I've gotten him at like 111, 112. And startups and startup mocks, like, you're not going to get him that cheap ever again. Um, you know, yes, there's the injury. And that's kind of why you're getting the discount. But, you know, he's he's young enough and, you know, the injuries aren't what they used to be with all the, you know, science and the rehab and all that. So, you know, he's going to he's going to come back mid 23 ish, something like that, probably be back to his old self with the running at the beginning of 2024. So now you have to bake that in that timeline in to when you're picking them at 111 and 112. Right. Um and, you know, that's going to maybe dictate what you do with the next quarterback or, or you know, that sort of thing. But uh, but, yeah, no, I, I would I would definitely prefer him uh, over over Watson. Yeah, I think if you're going to take Kyler Murray as your first quarterback in the startup, I think the one thing, like you're saying, you're going to correlate your team to I'm not pushing all the chips in to make a bunch of win now moves. I mean, you know, you're, you're, you mentioned it earlier, you're thinking two, three year window with, with your dynasty picks naturally. So that would be the, definitely the team where you're thinking, you know, when Kyler's back to full health, 2024, 2025, who are the players that I'm going to have to build around as core assets? So you're, you're, you know, and, and then that would reflect kind of maybe some of the, the different discussions we're going to have later about yeah. where certain older yeah. players are ranked tier wise. I guess I kind of have to agree with you in that Watson really didn't do much. And I think, I believe I had him at QB 12, QB 13 in my rankings going into the season. I think I'm, I would have, I think once Lance broke his ankle, even though Watson wasn't playing at that point, that would have probably flipped him into the top 12 for me and Lance at 13 where we have him now. Um, and ultimately, I don't think he did much to raise himself. I think, and I mean, Dak didn't really do much to lower himself other than just get a year older. But at 27, I felt there's maybe less risk than, say, Tua and Kyler because of their injuries they suffered this year. I felt they, not that Watson jumped ahead of them, they more fell behind Watson to me. And that's kind of why I have them both ranked below Watson. And I'm Mm -hmm. still a little nervous about Tua, but now, you know, we got news this week. They did clear the concussion protocol. Did find that timing a little interesting that, um, you know, the Pro Bowl, you you know, he, you know, because, you know, he wasn't eligible to make it to the Pro Bowl by their deadline in terms of when they had to get there. So they announced that he was still in the concussion protocol as a result of that. And that's why Tyler Huntley went. And then like a week later, okay, now I've cleared the protocol. I wonder, you know, with everything that two has been through this year, was it more just like a kind of a little bit of a, you know, NFL, because they changed the rule this year. If you, if you uh, don't show up at the pro bowl by choice, they kind of revoke that in your contract in terms of like the bonuses earned. Oh yeah. So like, if you've been elected to the pro bowl, you won't get the pro bowl status if you just choose not to go. If, okay. uh, if, right. But if you, I assume they're not allowed to do that if you're injured. So like if Tua had any Pro Bowl stuff in his contract because he was still in concussion protocol and injured, I think he still would hit them and get mm. them. If like if he's elected to a Pro Bowl, he gets this bonus. I think he's still eligible because he's didn't play because injury. But he probably didn't want to go there because like, okay, I've been dealing with concussion. So let's, okay, now you've cleared. 
you're a week clear. Now you still have to go to the Pro Bowl. You lose out on your money. So I wonder yeah. if that was maybe where that timing was about. But it was a little nervous, though, that it has lasted this long. So maybe in my mind to kind of justify not being too nervous about Tua is to also kind of you know make that scenario up. But that's part of the reason why I'm just thinking, you know, games next year, who's going to play more games? I'd imagine it's Tua over Kyler. And that's why Kyler, again, not so much that he's – Watson or Tua, I mean, Tua had a great season last year, but we've we've also seen Kyler's upside, but I just, I think the, there's so much risk with him, kind of like a Trey Lance where there's a lot of risk, and I'm I'm still keeping Kyler at 12 for now, but that's, especially with this Brock Purdy injury, and it kind of seems like Lance is more and more locked in to start week one for the 49ers, and there's maybe less risk there, kind of considering him putting ahead of Murray, but for now, Murray remains at 12. Probably will stay that if we get positive news through his recovery, you probably will keep him there. I'll see him falling out of the top 12 right now, but that would maybe be there's there's temptation there, I'll say. Mm-hmm. So, uh, speaking of Purdy, um, I was looking at, at your quarterback rankings and I saw Purdy at 21 and Darnold at 22. And I said, hold the phone here. Uh, that is uh, way too high. And I'm saying that's Purdy at 21, way too high before the injury um and Donald at 22 way too high before the injury for for reference if 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 folks care I have them at 36 and and 35 uh respectively so what say you about about Purdy and uh and and Darnold yeah I think with Purdy it's the how well he played this year just in terms of how many games they won and, and like you know wasn't turning the ball all over a lot like doing a lot of smart things uh, Decision-wise, I know uh, Ruben Almada, uh, that Superflex DJ on Twitter, he's got a podcast as well, the Coast to Coast Dynasty podcast, and big 49ers fan, and he's watching a lot of stuff. And uh, one of the tendencies that Garoppolo had there, unfortunately, was was to take a lot of sacks, not throw the ball away as much. And it seems like Purdy, even though he's really young, and you'd, you'd expect the, the young kid to want to always make the play, apparently he's played it really smart, where not taking too many sacks, willing to throw the ball away, like a lot of good sort of, mature quarterback tendencies to kind of make me think, you know, with three years left on his rookie contract, I feel like in my rankings kind of reflect, I think he's going to start games again at some point during this rookie contract. Mm -hmm. Now with this injury kind of makes it seem starting games in 2023 will be less likely. And Mm -hmm. uh, I still know exactly if if he's had surgery yet, or I think they're still kind of trying to decide the nature of what his surgery is going to be. Uh, that that might impact my rankings a little bit. Uh, I was kind of planning to after the Super Bowl maybe revise things. Uh, you know, if we find out he gets Tommy John sur- surgery and he's for sure out for all of 2023, and it might impact 2024. Yeah, I think I'll, I'll definitely drop him pretty drastically in my rankings. Like kind of, I think you said 37 for you. That's that's probably appropriate there. Uh, mm-hmm. If he's going to miss an entire season potentially plus. But, yeah, I, for me it, it was before the injury because mm-hmm. like. He's not good. Like he he was being carried by his weapons around him in the defense. He was it was drag routes, it was dump offs, it was Purdy was wasn't doing anything. Now he should be credited that he did improve on some of the flaws, like in his mechanics that made him Mister Irrelevant at round at you know uh, uh, in, in the draft. But I I just couldn't see. Uh, I was you know half jokingly saying to people that if he won the Super Bowl. It'd still be. I would still want Lance to be the 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 day one starter. He's just much better 
much better uh, uh, prospect. So I think it's just a matter of like, do you do you believe in his ability to you know to really be an NFL quarterback? But um, Darnold maybe might have surprised me even more. Um, why why Darnold at twenty two? It seems like he kind of rebounded to play a lot better last year than we'd seen him. And yeah, he couldn't quite get the, enough wins to make the playoffs. Uh, but uh, it seemed to me that, uh, it, I don't know, I, I felt like he he kind of unlocked something where he wasn't taking a bunch of unnecessary risks. It seemed like he was playing smart. And to a certain extent, I mean, they, you know, he kind of relied on a really good run game, which is another thing that Purdy did that uh, you didn't quite mention. You were talking about all the you know, impressive passing weapons, but how strong of a run game to have in those scenarios to kind of help win games, but also kind of help the keep the defense honest does certainly help, but it, it kind of, he played well enough to, to make me think he's probably going to get another shot. And uh, right now I suppose he's a free agent. So there is a chance no team decides to sign him and he, and he has to, or at least as a starter and he has to go in as a backup. But as of right now, with as many quarterback vacancies as there are around the league, I kind of get, get the, the sense that Darnold's going to get a shot and yeah I mean quarterback's gross and I wouldn't be surprised if he gets a shot and I think everything you said about him sort of you know playing not as bad at the end of the year is true but I just I don't know that I can put him ahead of guys that you have him ahead of like Gino Derek Carr Jimmy G Stafford I mean like Stafford at 27 like I just, yeah, I'm I pretty low on Stafford. I, I'm kind of I mean, almost done with him. Uh, don't, I, I'm not. A, I'm not a big yeah. fan. I'm not a big fan. But I mean, the the fact remains that like McVeigh's coming back, Cups coming back. Like, you know, I mean, I, I'll throw him out there for a year or two on my dynasty roster before I trust Brock Purdy or Sam Darnold or you know even Aaron Rodgers really. But but you're you're the Packers fan, so maybe I maybe I shouldn't say that. <laughs> uh, what uh, what do you want to point out at running back? Uh, so, yeah, I think, uh, well, it's interesting because you, you, what you pointed out is something I almost wanted to discuss. So we can kind of work our, our way down here. But I guess uh, one of those players is Javante Williams. Uh, noted, and I, I suppose for among players, and I was kind of at, at first looking at, okay, the top 12 of our aggregate rankings. And what were the biggest discrepancies within that top 12? Like where And uh, for a few positions, it was eight spots difference. But I suppose anything greater than an eight-spot difference is probably dragging a player down enough to where they're not in the top 12 of the aggregate. So I suppose that I I found it funny that, like, okay, at tight end, the biggest in the top 12, the biggest difference was eight spots. Same at running back was exactly eight spots. Uh, I think even a wide receiver might have been two in the top 12. But then I also thought, okay, yeah, anything more than that, it probably wouldn't – equate to a top 12 player but in this mm-hmm. case it's Javante Williams mm-hmm. uh, yes I think you have met RB I have eight and you have him at 16, 16. Yeah. Uh, and I know uh, one of the things you were questioning is you know Cam Akers over a group of players and one of them was specifically Javante Williams and I guess for me the the, the quick tale of why I'm so low all the way down at 16 because even uh, not just with your rank I'm looking at the fantasy pros current dynasty consensus and Javante is actually, yeah, the consensus is eight. So matching what you're saying. So it seems like I'm just kind of lower than everyone on Javante. And I think it is the injury. And uh, even looking at Brees Hall, I'm, you know, I have him at five, which seems pretty low for a dynasty ranking of Brees Hall right now. But, you know, the guys coming off the, the torn ACLs, and I suppose, you know, we talked about Kyler and almost transitions nicely into this conversation yeah. and just yeah, yeah. concerns so I will, for this season. I will explain myself with, with that one. And it's simply that, I was thinking the same that you were for a little while. I said, listen, Javante, Brees, 
I kind of don't really want to touch them. But when I'm thinking of when I'm thinking about the idea of the the short shelf life of running backs, their youth, their talent, uh, the ability to bounce back from these injuries, uh, that you know they just aren't what they what they used to be. Now, multiple ligaments is 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 a little different than than if it's just the ACL, right? But um, and I just, you know, he's just very, very talented. And, uh, you know, we're going to get Sean Payton, uh, you know, in, in in Denver. And listen, is the second year back from the ACL better than the first? Usually, yeah, right. But again, I'm looking this at, looking at this like, I'm, like what's my two to three year in investment, right? Now, this may also be something where maybe I grab Javante, right? And it turns out after, you know, the startup and all that, it looks like I'm not going in on 2023 and so you know do i hold on to him and just use him in 2024 where i'm competing or do i say hey listen he's probably a valuable asset because of the name right his value is going to go up when pete when we start hearing that he's like rehabbing and coming back from the injury i can flip him you know uh so it's not always like what i want him to do for my team it's you know what can i do with him in in the trade market and um and and yeah, and when I when I look at you know the the type of guys that you know we have like in that in that range, um, for example, if I go to running back and look at where you're at, right? Like you've got him down at sixteen, and like I can't put Derrick Henry in front of him. I mean, Derrick Henry's the king, but he's also like twenty nine, you know, uh, on a terrible team. Um, you have him behind Ramondre. I don't know. I don't know that I, as much as I'm like the Ramondre, you know, Ramondre like hype train leader. Like I don't know that I, I can do that, right? I just think he's way more dynamic. He's way the more next dynamic. Name is the one that really shocks you, yeah. Though, right? Yeah. Well, that really shocks me. But like you know, there's Acres, there's Dobbins. Again, guys that like I just think he's just really a lot better than. Plus, you know, Dobbins. We'll see. We'll see what happens. You know, with with Greg Roman gone, but. You know, it's not like they've been shy about, you know, having, you know, uh, a lot of backs get snaps there. So, uh, yeah, I just I just you know, I just can't I can't see putting those guys ahead of them, really. You know, And I guess to, to your point, like to almost defend your point, I think I know you, like Cam Akers was the one that you kind of said, like even me having Cam Akers above Ramondre and Pollard and Williams, it seems to to uh, be where you wanted me to kind of explain my process, but I will yeah, say, why don't, why don't we go there? I, I will call you out and say that you have <laughs> acres at RB 13 ahead of Javante Williams, Ramondre Stevenson and Pollard. I have acres at 20 or 21, I think. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I guess injury kind of factors in and yeah, Dobbins and acres last year, we, we kind of saw them especially early in the season really suffer because of their uh, recovery from injuries uh, but now that they have kind of done that, got through the season, seems like they're they're kind of back to should expect healthy 2023. So I'm kind of uh, banking on that. But I will say that the one thing that does factor in your favor with Javante is the pass catching. Kind of though, that's two things that Dobbins yeah. and Acres have kind of struggled to consistently get. Mm-hmm. Um, now I guess the one thing with Acres is he's always had the other pass catching backs around, and you know now they've released Darrell Henderson and. Uh, like I look at right now, if you look at the Rams depth chart right now, basically his main backup is Kyron Williams, who basically is kind of like acres doesn't profile as, as a very voluminous pass catcher at all. So uh, I expect the Rams might probably will invest in running back. How significant is that? Is mm-hmm. it someone that is going to come in as a pass catching specialist mm-hmm. and take that away from acres? 
or is that a role he's going to gain this year? And I guess my ranking is maybe banking on or indicative of the fact that I kind of ate and you said more talented. I guess I, I've been a little colder on Javante, even from a you know film talent perspective as a college prospect. I've liked him. I thought he's good, but I don't necessarily view him as a better prospect, better talent than either Dobbins or Akers. And hmm. I think, you know, all of them have kind of suffered significant injuries to take away from their, I think, ultimate potential. Uh, but yeah, I guess I'm just banking on the guys with the healthier yeah. seasons now, uh, coming back. Whereas, uh, again, even with my ranking of Pollard below, uh, Derek Henry is also okay with the injury he suffered in, in, uh, the playoffs. Like, does that affect his next season at all? It, it might not, he might actually be a guy that's able to come back for training camp. But, yeah. uh, I guess the one name I, I really struggled with was Ramondre Stevenson in terms of my rankings and putting him a, potentially ahead of guys like Dobbins and acres. And right now I've got him at 14, but, uh, cause I, I was on uh, the fancy coaches earlier this week. And, the, and that was a question that was posed was, is Ramondre Stevenson a top 12 dynasty running back? And I really hesitated on that and really struggled. So I think it could enter there. Uh, so I guess, uh, the cam acres to Stevenson debate could really be one that I, I could, I I'm looking to hear from, cause I, I mm. could, uh, consider, I guess, Ramondre ahead of those guys. I do, like his talent, maybe even more than, than all of them. So I think, I think the reason that I'm probably that low on, on acres is a couple of things. One, even before his injury, like he kind of had, like he kind of flashed all in like a couple big games from, from what I remember. Right. Uh, and, and even yeah, he really when, struggled as a, like early in his rookie season. Right. He, I mean, he you dealt know. with some injuries, but even then he like, he wasn't getting on the field even when healthy as yeah. consistently as, as he wanted to. Yeah. And as much as, you know, I said, um, yeah, I'll, I'll do a year or two of Stafford before some of these other jabronis, like at the same time, you know, that offensive line, we don't really know, you know, it was, it was really bad this year. And that's the offensive line that acres has right now. So until they address that, I don't know. Also the not pass catching. And for me, excuse me, you know, uh, I had this tier of 14 to 19 of like Dobbins, Mixon, Pollard, Henry, Cook, Kamara, right? It's like a couple like of those aging guys towards the bottom of that tier. And it's like, can I put Akers ahead of those aging but productive guys yet where he's up there with Dobbins and Pollard? I don't, I just can't yet, right? Once I, once I think I can, he might leapfrog all of them. You know, um, when, when, if I really like what I what I see, but um, maybe it's because it's of that of, offense, right? Like because yeah. he's tied to McVay, and like, yeah. you, know, you don't know who the yeah. Ravens OC is. And like even with Ramon J, it's tied to Bill O'Brien, and I think we like him as it's. An and we were talking about this before the show. Some of it's residue, right? Like I like Acres. I've been bringing him up from forty two when he was demanding a trade, right? Like and wasn't even like and was a healthy scratch. You know what I mean? So like sometimes it, it's just you bring a guy up and it's like, you know, he's been coming up from so low that maybe he doesn't get to where he's at with somebody else, you know, because you've been, you know, you know what I mean? It's like, it's, it's well, kind of like, yeah. it's funny. Cause July, 2021, I think that's what it happened. You know, at the, the start of July, it was uh cam acres RB five for me. And then he tears the Achilles and I would have dropped it. I think outside the top 30, maybe not quite to 42, but it was, probably 34, 35, somewhere in the mid thirties, I think uh, all the way down. So I, I, I was a big believer and maybe, you know, the, 
uh, you know, I maybe over, maybe not, maybe overreacted to the Achilles, but I certainly reacted strongly to that Achilles tear. And uh, maybe like you're saying, the residue though, has kind of allowed me to bounce them up back higher and put them right now at, at RB12. Although like I'm saying, I'm really strongly considering, or I guess 13, uh, but strongly considering having Steve, you know, Stevenson ahead of both of him and Dobbins uh, right behind Swift is two uh, good pass catching running backs. I guess one thing with Stevenson is it, it, he got both of the roles this year, goal line and receiving to kind of, mm-hmm. and that's yeah. what propelled him to a top 12 season. Do the Patriots give yeah. him both of those roles again? And, and mm-hmm. like, it's always scary with the Patriots. I think it's that, that little bit of bias for that team. Maybe, um, you know, the, the and, hype score we talk about with players, there are yeah. certain teams that have a negative hype score. If this player's on this team, we like them a little less because of certain reasons. And yeah, Patriots running mean, back might be a, a bit of a bias there. It's residue still. Sorry. Yeah. I think, I think it's residue. I, I, I personally have him at 11, but I'll tell you this. If I don't think I'm competing in 23, he's the guy I'm moving. And you he know? might be one of the easiest running backs to sell right now when we're talking about this, like specifically this kind of tier of players, but even like, you know, anyone out kind of outside the top five at running back, it's probably, he's probably one of the easier ones to sell because he's coming off such a great season. And, you know, the Patriots haven't done anything yet at running back. You know, everyone expects Damian Harris to be gone. So, like, all the positive news right now regarding Stevenson, it, like, is as positive as it's going to get. Yeah. And, and if I'm, the Patriots don't bring in anyone serious at running back, no one's kind of expecting it anyway. So, everyone kind of continues. But if yeah. they do, can start to lose value. If they go in the draft, continue to lose value. So, yeah. mm-hmm. I love yeah. Stevenson too. But, uh, yeah, if I had enough shares, I might be looking to maybe sell right now. I'm like, I think this so. is probably a bad time to sell a lot of running backs. But, he may be well, one of the few. Yeah, yeah, relative like, to yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that that that's true. I mean, I don't mean like well, cuz it's probably not a great time to sell acres either. It's not really a great time to question. buy running backs either, you know. Nope. <laughs> it's yeah. honestly this is this is not a great time to buy, buy any players really. Right. Like it's yeah. it, there's so much that yeah. can happen. Like this is where you yeah. want as many picks as possible to liquidate yeah. as much this it's a, it's always this is the worst time to buy. Which yeah. means it's you know, no, if no one wants to buy, it's also a bad time to sell because yeah. no one will want to pay up for the value the picks are always more valuable yeah. than the players so yeah and the reason the i'm willing to move off of, of ramondre too is is one it's running back right two as much as you said you know damian harris might might be gone it's a deep free agent class and a deep rookie class right so right now my rb11 right could a get a pass catching running back either free agent or or draft enter his backfield you know very easily because of how deep the, the class is in both free agency and, and rookies and B be not knocked down a few notches anyway, as we put Bijan and Gibbs and everybody else into the dynasty rankings. Right. Yeah. So, you know, that's also why I'm kind of willing to, to move off of, of Ramondre, you know, because, because of that, that, that window, speaking of residue, you, you wanted to call me out about a particular wide receiver. Well, it's funny. Cause I almost, I, 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 well, in the, yeah, let me take a look at this uh, fantasy pros consensus ranking for full PPR. So yeah, I guess, yeah, I guess his expert consensus ranking right now on fantasy pros is wide receiver six and I've got him at wide receiver five. And I kind of was, you know, when I'm doing my rankings it was surprising that he was the one that really stood out to me as this, we'll get to like talk about the tiers. Um, but I kind of view him as, as again, worthy of being in that top five because he is, he produced really well through two years and he still has the age and he's kind of like his production last year kind of dwarfed a lot of these guys that uh, I know a couple of guys that you have ahead of him who are also young, still on rookie contracts. But mm-hmm. my wide receiver five is Amon Ross St. Brown. 
And again, I, I'm almost a little surprised to see him at wide receiver six in consensus. I kind of thought I was re- being really like almost not quite hot takey because I do believe it, but uh, it, it shocked me a little bit that kind of as I went through and decided on him as the wide receiver five. So uh, I almost thought I would have to explain myself more, but it does seem like the consensus in the yeah. community really is, is mm-hmm. buying into him after two seasons of what he's done, uh, even with the fourth round draft capital invested. Man, why couldn't the Packers take him in the third? It would, it would A, give him better draft capital from a dynasty perspective, and B, I'd be happy because he's on the Packers, yeah. not on the Lions. But, uh, yeah, uh, I don't know. I guess we, we'll talk about another receiver specifically that's on the Lions, but I, I still yeah. view Amon Ra as the alpha of that team and still going to command the most targets every season. Mm-hmm. Um, he's done it and they kind of almost made TJ Hawkinson irrelevant to the point where they, you know, they got a second-round pick for him, but felt worthy enough of – not needing him, you know, because I think that was a big concern for Amon Ra. Okay, when you've got this tight tight end that could be one of the the next George Kittle in terms of that athletic type of tight end that can just draw targets and, and create massive yardage as a as a downfield threat, and then Swift always taking targets. But it seems like through all of that, Amon Ra has just continued to draw these targets, and maybe Jamison Williams eventually emerges to to where he takes away from Amon Ra. I think he, I think there is room though in the offense for them to both. It co exist together and thrive, mm-hmm. and so I'm not, you know, so concerned with Jamison Williams. I also don't really have him ranked highly, but even as, you know, if I believe more in Jamison and I will, you know, rank him in the future higher, assuming he, you know, produces better than he did last year, I don't think it's going to necessarily affect my ranking of Amon Ra in a negative way. I think they yeah. can exist at so, different areas of the field, and Amon Ra can still thrive. Yeah. The reason I said this is a bit of residue is. I've always been the low man on Amon Ra, and I kind of bent the knee and said I was wrong. But I still don't believe that I'm as wrong as people think. I'm as wrong to get him to my wide receiver 13, right? Uh, still not I'm, a wide receiver one, though. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not wide receiver five with him. I yeah. think that. I think that's. I just think it's way too high. Um, don't get me wrong. I was hammering Amon Ra, you know, when he was priced well in DFS this year. Like, mm. you know, he's a target machine, right? And I get it. And, and I'm sure even as a rookie, know, like in the rookie draft, he was track. going in the mid-second. Like, you might you might have occasionally saw him in like a 204, but like that was, right. you know, that was, that right. was a great time to buy him even through his rookie season. Right. So now, but when I look at the guys I have ahead of him, right, I'm looking at guys that are just super – talented like uh either they're either they're alpha as far as like um size and production or they're alpha as far as you know you know the you know true number ones on their team they're just like elite wide receivers right and then i have a tier that starts with 12 and then he's he's 13 um i just don't see him as that type of player Right. When I look at Garrett Wilson or Chris Olave or DK Metcalf, these are these are beasts. These are just absolute, just dynamic players. Amon Ra is a very good player who gets a lot of targets and gets a lot and, and is good at yak per reception and targets per route run. And I get that he's he's not a super talented, you know, explosive, dynamic player. Right. And when and when the more dynamic and explosive player in Jamison Williams, you know, starts to eat into him a little bit more, not even so much surpass him. Right. But eat into it enough, even though there are different parts of the field. Right. Also, like 
you know, Goff isn't going to be there forever, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, Goff's a pretty low dot quarterback, and which, you know, matches a pretty low dot wide receiver in Amon Ra pretty well. He's right? always loved the slot receivers, like right. Amon Ra kind of doubled as his version of Cooper Cup. Right. So what happens when, you know, I don't know, they're, you know, Goff is is done as the bridge and they've got the next they've got the next person right like it's you know I don't I don't know that I like want to take Amon Ra and invest in two or three years of him with you know a guy like Jameson Williams on the team and his quarterback being Jared Goff who's at like peak value right now like I just I you know when I can when I can have guys ahead of him like Metcalf, Olave, Wilson, um you know, uh, uh, Tyreek Hill, uh, even even an aging digs. I uh, have a wide receiver 11. Like, you know, uh, give me those guys for a couple of years before, you know, I'm on Ross St. Brown. Like I'm on Ross St. Brown has wide receiver two talent. He just happens to be producing at wide receiver one level. And I guess to the Cooper Cup comment of, you know, you know uh, I think of what happened to Cooper Cup, though, once Goff left. And I think it's the risk of if they, you know, if he leaves and they don't have a good quarterback, yeah, the entire offense might suffer. But then if they upgrade on Goff at quarterback, maybe does that quarterback actually unlock a further ceiling from Amon Ra, kind of like Stafford has done with Cooper Cup. Maybe the, you know, a quarterback with a higher ADOT actually helps Amon Ra. Uh, and that he could, you know, from the slot, stretch the field over the middle more and, and maybe get better yardage efficiency because he's caught a lot of passage, but, and, you know, you know, the, I guess uh, average amount of touchdowns for his receptions, but yeah, the yardage has not necessarily been the, you know, like a Justin Jefferson type of yardage on, on, on so, super high catches. So I'll say two more quick things about Amon Ra before I call you out at wide receiver. So two things. One, I have, a couple mental conditions, including being autistic, where part of my executive functioning is not good for fantasy football because it's essentially taking too long to come off your priors. It's it's having a, a single train of thinking and, and it being difficult to get off that line of thinking. So I will admit that that might be a little bit with Amon Ra too. It's, it's sort of this natural stubbornness that I have. But it's sort of a blind spot for me and I try to calibrate for it. And, you know, um, and sometimes I just, you know, it's I, I, I don't. I don't catch it. Um, Needing the clear evidence to, to, to say like, this is yeah, definitive to, yeah. to why, as opposed to trying yeah. to predict it. If, if evidence to the contrary before then yeah. has said, yeah. this is where this player should be, you know, yeah. some, you, yeah. you know, you can predict a jump at time. I'm slower to come to. off the prior sometimes than some other folks are. And I have to kind of like try to bake that in. But the other thing I'll say about Amon Ra is that, is that, you know, perceived value or, or trade value and things like that are part of my rankings. And if they are, you know, I probably should have them higher than 13, right? Like, you know, so I might adjust that after after the show. Yeah. I um, guess, yeah, because I think specifically who you have at 12, being his teammate, Jameson Williams, I don't see a lot of, of that happening where people are valuing him lesser than they would Jameson Williams. But I think Jameson is special. I see mm-hmm. going into the draft, I had a, essentially a tier of, of four guys you know, I you know Garrett Wilson toward the top of it, London towards the bottom of it, kind of JMO and Alave in the middle, and I kind of said, listen, these are all like I can. It's really hard to differentiate between these four guys. You know, they're they're basically wide receiver one, all four of them. And then, you know, uh, when it came to like draft capital, landing spot, things like that, nothing too much really shook that up. 
I thought Jamal. All of them were yeah. what top twelve picks, right? Jamal, I think, is an explosive player who, who's going to be who's going to be absolutely special. And I I value him at the level that I value a Garrett Wilson or a Chris Olave right now. So it's hard for me to have him ranked too far below those guys, right? Um, but where I'm going to ask you about wide receiver, and I think this again speaks to like a philosophy thing. So we almost have like these, these groups like flipped on their head, right? Like, mm-hmm. so you, you, uh, I'm going to call you out for loving the old guys too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got uh, Tyree Hill at six, Diggs at seven, Devonte Adams at eight and Cooper cup at nine, all of them ahead of Jalen Waddle, who I have at five, four, five, five uh, Higgins, who I have at like six or seven Wilson. I have it like seven or eight. And Devonta Smith, who I have at like 12 or 13 or like, no, like 14, maybe right after I'm on Ra. So like, I, I can't put that tier of guys ahead of those younger, you know, dynamic players because they're, they're already showing that, that they're, that they're producing and they're going to be highly valued and the highly valued assets. And they're ascending where the other guys are, are descending. So what's the, what's the, uh, what's the uh, reasoning behind having like those like 29 year olds, up mm-hmm. top and then the, the younger guys below yeah the big tier of, of where you know earlier mentioning like this this is kind of where i wanted to center the discussion around is like at what point do you go for the elite production because while mm-hmm. they are descending i think those were you know if you look at points per game those were for the top six wide receivers in points per game this year is is hill Diggs, adams and cup mm-hmm. and so like while they are descending on your team for a, a team looking to win a championship that could be really useful and helpful to have as like a wide receiver one anchor and knowing that you know, if you can't get Jefferson or chase who maybe the, the only two we could maybe assume could produce alongside them. Uh, you know, maybe Amon Ra eventually as, as indicated by my wide receiver five, but it, mm-hmm. you know, short of getting that they become almost the scarce asset to get one of them. And I think, you know, the rankings again, being tied to the draft also have to be, careful right because if you were to follow my rankings you would say okay i'll take tyree kill and then come back around with digs but in reality what you should be doing is okay from that top tier of the really productive guys who do you want to pick from there and then come back around with this larger group of younger wide receivers i i think that tier for me goes from wide receiver 10 was jalen waddle all the way down to like maybe even debo samuel at wide receiver 16 so uh a bit of a larger tier, almost twice as large thinking I can double dip and get the, the give me the older productive receiver, whatever one I want to choose from here. And then knowing I can probably get a younger receiver back around. So this is one where the, the size of the tier may have also factored into why I went with the, the older, uh, mm-hmm. older foursome here, we'll call them mm-hmm. like the golden girls. I don't know the golden guys. <laughs> yeah. And it's cause it's, it's kind of playing out in startups too. Like, uh, as far as it, people are going both ways on this, right? So I've often a, seen Waddle as like a wide receiver four or five off the board and just right. startups that people show me or, or so. Yeah, yeah. I, I think you're, you're ranking even like the fantasy pros expert consensus has Waddle at five. So, so this uh, is a couple weeks old and uh, God, uh, Tom is going to, he's, he's going to get mad at me because I'm forgetting the guy to credit, but this guy keeps churning out um, like, an aggregate uh, average like startup uh uh you know location for uh for for startups that have the rookie picks thrown in uh and it's like across platforms 
okay. and so this is a couple weeks old, but all our guys are mixed in, right? So Waddle, 207, Amon Ra, 211, Tyreek Hill, 212, Garrett Wilson, 303, Higgins, 306, back to Diggs, 307, right? Chris Olave, 401, back to your guy, Cup, at 402, Metcalf at 403, Devonta Drake, Devonta Adams at 408. Like, so, like, mm-hmm. the community is divided on what to do with these guys, too, right? By Just by virtue of the fact that they're all mixed in in this pot together of going in rounds two through four in, in the startup. Right. Like, so it's, it's a matter of, of picking your poison when it, when it comes to that. So we can't even really use startup ADP as a barometer because it's pretty similar for, for a lot of these guys. I just think like, you know, okay, end of the startup. Right. And people are now trading for need. Can I get more for Waddle than I can for cup? Probably, you know, and I don't, I don't know that that's like the best way to look at it, but that's, one way I look at it. Yeah. Well, and and again, and that's the beauty of the rankings, right? It's however yeah. you stir the pot. You know, some go clockwise, other go counterclockwise. That might change the recipe a little bit, but uh, yeah, everyone's got their own factor of how they're going to adjust the rankings. So it makes these discussions uh, really interesting because we can both see the logic of how the others approaching it. And I, I certainly understand why people are going waddle at wide receiver five. It's funny because anecdotally, I think you know this year. Hill outscored Waddle. It would better. It would have been better to have Hill than than it would have been to have Waddle. Shout out to our Going for Two founder. I uh, love uh, again. Check out goingfortwo.com. You can find all our rankings there. I don't know why. Right now, there's just the three of us: Brian, myself, and our founder, Jeff well, Lambert. Founder I, hasn't even published yet. He's 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 got him set, but he hasn't published yet. Oh, okay. Yeah. My mistake. Uh, I thought I saw all three of them on there, but I expect more people will continue to populate those dynasty rankings. We'll probably have about a half dozen different rankings on there. Yeah. yeah. uh, uh, Shortly after the Super Bowl, if not before. Uh, But anyway, yeah. uh, I'm wearing the going for two hats. You can also buy that going for two.com slash store. Get all that good (laughs) gear. But, uh, but kudos to Jeff. He created the uh, zombie style leagues last year, that uh, format. And there's an article on going for two.com that explains them. And in that, in uh, the semifinals of the zombie league, uh, I had Waddle was going up against Hill and Waddle outscored Hill that week because he got the touchdown. Hill didn't. Uh, so it, this one time it was, okay, this was would have been better to have Waddle than Hill. And this one time it really mattered and, and helped me actually end up winning the league, beat Jeff mm-hmm. in the final. So thanks. Thanks, Jeff, for creating the league that I was able to win. Um, but all to say outside of that one week, I think I would have preferred to have Hill over Waddle most weeks. And so I think maybe kind of going with that bias of who do I want to have right now on my team? I'd rather draft Hill first than Waddle. So I think that's maybe, maybe more than any player Hills, real, that, that kind of distinction is really what's driving because they, they both end up being the top players in their respective tiers as a result of this. So it's right. it's almost mm-hmm. a, a Hill versus Waddle debate kind of in, in a microchasm a little bit that they both kind of each are the top representative of, the, of these tiers mm-hmm. kind of going in and at it. But I can certainly see a few key players like I know you have Gary Wilson, I think seven. So that's one of the bigger ones that, that uh, in this uh, range from I guess we go say wide receiver six to 16. Um, you know, if Aaron Rodgers goes to the Jets. Mm-hmm. He might replace it. Amon Ra as the wide receiver five for me in my rankings. I, like be, just yeah. because like that's an elite quarterback we know will hyper focus on whoever is his top target. And I, and I think as good as you know, I, I believe Elijah Moore's talent is. I think Garrett Wilson clearly showed he was coming in there and he's the alpha right away. Mm-hmm. Like there, there is. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It didn't take more than one year to almost immediately show Garrett Wilson was superior to Elijah Moore. So if Aaron Rodgers comes to the Jets and 
he's got this clear alpha target in Wilson. I think that's the that's when, yeah, I'll for sure put him ahead of this older tier of guys. I guess I'm not quite ready to yet yeah. if it's a Zach Wilson, Mike White-led quarterback room. I guess that's maybe my hesitation with Wilson a little bit. And, and Olave. That's fair. That's and fair. Metcalf. And it's funny because I, I Devontae Smith was another one that kind of surprised me. Like, wow, I actually have Devontae Smith as a wide receiver one. But, I mean, he's, he's producing it. And uh, even with A.J. Brown coming, he's had a better season than he is a rookie. So it's not like A.J. Brown is stunting – Smith's growth at all. So, yeah, I have this big tier of wide receivers for me that's like 16 to 25. Mm. And it's like, I kind of don't know what to do with them. And that's maybe one reason why it's a big tier. Now, some of them it's kind of irrelevant because, you know, you, we've already said you already have them at like, you know, eight or nine or whatever. But like, and, and, you know, to get a, a not that I love, it's a good barometer of where the community's at and where some of the uh, people in your sleeper leagues are at, right? So, you know, I, I took a look there and there's not a whole lot of answers there either. Um, you know, I have this like huge, leave, leaving out the old guys that you love, like Traylon Burks, Michael Pittman, Godwin Pickens, Marquise Brown, Drake London, DJ Moore, Jahan Dotson, kind yeah, of Christian 18 Watson. to 28 for me yeah. is that basically like, that tier. Like, I've actually what got it like, at 17, so I could say 17 to yeah, 28. I could see a league where like Pittman would be the most valuable in that league and that mm-hmm. micro market, and I could see a league where Judy Pickens now is London. Yeah. Yeah. I know I've yeah. raised Judy up. I think he's at yeah. 18 for me, kind of raising to the yeah. top of that. Group, yeah, with, so. with Peyton coming with – yeah, yeah I, mean, I could see that. Yeah, sure. It's like – it's kind of like if, if you I, – I would say kind of test that out and, and see in, in your league. Like you might have Pickens, but, you know, the person who has Hollywood might like Pickens better. Give it a shot, yeah. right? You know, uh, uh, Pittman, you know, is, is a guy who we have – you know, questions about who the quarterback's going to be, who the coach is going to be, but still has some value. People had him at like top 12 for a while. I don't know. See what you can get for like, you know, is there, is there somebody who would give you uh, maybe you don't like, you don't like Dotson. So I won't use that uh, example, but like. Um, well, the other know. rookie Christian Watson, for instance, yeah, Watson, yeah. Packers bias too, but uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, to call me out at tight end. Well, it's funny because talk about Jerry Judy and I, I, to me right now, he's the one I've raised the most of the Broncos with the Sean Payton news. So I'm, I'm, he, I think he gets the biggest bump and maybe I'm a little slightly colder on say a Greg Dulcich, um, which I guess actually that's you calling me out uh, on being low on Dulcich, but um, that that's, that's another giant tier. I think, you know, tight end six, I've got Dallas Goddard. I think that's a clear delineator. Like i much rather have Goddard than anyone below him. Obviously, that's why he's ranked there. But I think like as a like a, a tier break after Goddard, and then to me, I've got Evan Ingram as that next guy at tight end seven. I noticed you have him all the way down at fifteen. Mm-hmm. Um, now, this is almost it's funny because I think a lot of times you're looking at your you know season end rankings. The difference between tight end seven and fifteen is usually so minimal. So I'm not even sure if this discussion <laughs> matters that much. Um, but I guess the one thing for me with Engram, there's a bit of risk. I think right now the risk is that he leaves Jacksonville because it might be one of the best spots for him to be on, where he gets a, a you know a good efficient quarterback. But without you know whether it's Ridley or Kirk, it's not an alpha that's going to you have to give me 180 targets. Like there's no one that's going to draw mm-hmm. so much away to the point where there's games where Evan Ingram might be the most targeted Jaguar. Like he, he's on a team 
it's tough to find that for a tight end where you, where you could be the most targeted player, maybe not over the course of a season, but over the course of a game and still have a really highly efficient quarterback. Yeah. So, so I, yeah, I had him at 11 or 12 uh, up until a few days ago. So it, the difference wouldn't have been that much. Yeah. It's, it's when I learned about like their contract and cap situation where I was like, it's a good chance he might be gone. They are the, the, they have the fifth, they're the fifth worst cap situation right now. Uh, at like negative 22.3 million or something like that. Right. And they already like, especially their pass catchers are some of the highest paid in the league. Like that's where right. they've already got a big chunk invested already at, yeah. you know, among pass catchers. So, so I kind of, uh, I, I kind of baked in the likelihood that he's going to leave Doug Peterson and Trevor Lawrence. And I noticed right. you've got him kind of in a range where there's a few uh, free agent tight ends. I think like I know I've got Kasiki at fifteen. I think you had him kind of right around there, fifteen, sixteen, which yeah. is a little higher than consensus. And I think it's it's because the, I think the opposite end of that same yeah. spectrum. Yeah, he'll where, go somewhere that'll use him right. And I think he's a good maybe guy to Jacksonville right if they don't yeah. want to, if Ingram's too expensive, right? So like yeah. suddenly, I'd probably prefer Gasicki over Ingram. But I will say yeah. like Ingram has kind of showed it really right from as a rookie. Like he was one of the few tight ends that really had a strong rookie season, um, and has kind of floundered, but now it's finally kind of found that again. And it, and it seems like his athletic profile from a tight end is probably, I would trust in that more than again, anyone below this. So that's why right now, even with the risk of him potentially leaving Jacksonville, it's nullified by my belief in his talent. And so that's why he ends up at seven. I guess it's funny. That's his same draft classmate, David and Joku. We both have a tight end eight. So we can kind of yeah. agree on in Joku. And I think a lot of the reasons I like in Joku are a lot of the similar reasons to Ingram. So as much as like I say, I, I noticed you have Friar Muth even ahead of George Kittle, for instance. I know I noticed like uh, Kittle was a, a little lower, like tight end seven. Like I've got him a tight end three. And while it's only four spots, it's also in that tier again, like the difference making tier. So that was a bit of a shocking yeah. one. Um, yeah. But uh, well, yeah, I think I, and that I think that goes back to your philosophy and approach with age, right? Like, you know, your your top tight end is, I mean, y y you go uh, Kelsey, Hawk, Kittle, uh, Andrews, Pitts, Goddard, Goddard Angle, probably right? six, yeah. yeah, and I go Pitts, Andrews, Kelsey, Hawk, Goddard, Fryermuth, Kittle, the top five, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um. I will you know, say tight end is probably the one position I care about age the least. Least. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree mm -hmm. that that's, that's baked in there. But, like, you know, when I'm uh, – If Lamar me, Jackson that, goes to the Falcons, to me, I will I'm I'll raise all, pits yeah. above five. Like, I'll yeah. say that. Like, that's probably the yeah. shocking one for a lot of people. I'm – to me, like, not caring about age at tight end is why I allow Kelsey to be three. Not why I put him one. You know what I mean? Like, in any other position, I'm not putting him at three. You know what okay. I mean? Um, yeah. That's, you know, that's kind of the way I look at it. But uh, so I will call you out at tight end and then we'll each do our, our, our bonus. Um, so commit, uh, I have at 13, you have him as well, but you have Gerald Everett at 12 ahead of Greg Dulcich at 14. I have Everett at 17 and Dulcich at nine. What say you about being high on Gerald Everett? Well, and it's funny, it's similar to your Jaguars argument with the Chargers is they've, you know, what are they going to do at the receiver position? I mean, yeah, they've got Mike Williams and Keenan Allen there, but they also, I feel like even though they've got the rookie quarterback, they also have a lot invested there already. So I could see that being kind of almost a team that runs it back with their current receiving core. And year two with Herbert, I wonder if 
Everett gets a you know, takes a step up, better, better connection, uh, you know, new offensive coordinator too. So we'll see what kind of effect that has on the tight end position. Uh, Kellen Mond, right? Or Kellen Moore, <laughs> not Kellen mm-hmm. Mond. I mean, Kellen Mond might be better served I, to just go to coaching. I was going right to say, now, at right? this point, he better try to be an OC, right? Because... <laughs> Yeah, so we'll see what you know. Kellen Moore effect. I mean, saw how often the tight end was used in the offense this year uh, with, with Dalton Schultz. So I'm kind of I'm uh, excited for again another good athlete as a tight end in, in Gerald Everett. Um, I guess yeah, with the with the, the Sean Payton getting there, I guess I've raised Judy so much that I haven't necessarily. He's the one that I feel like will have the the biggest effect in them. So I'm not necessarily raising mm-hmm. everyone else higher. I've kind of kept Dulcich kind of around this spot. Uh, through the process so yeah and I mean I had Dulcich at nine like before Peyton came so it's mm, almost like yeah. double counting for me to, to 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 pull him up so I didn't I didn't really uh, adjust after that so for me with Everett I know tight end like age matters less for for tight end but he is going to be 29 in June right and so for me he's right I have a tier of uh 11 through 16 where it's Waller Schultz um, who I think is also a guy who, if he's not if he's not back with Dak, like woof, right? Uh, yeah, for sure. I've got him oh, eleven too, but he's definitely right. someone who I could see uh, for Schultz specifically could follow my rankings if he leaves Dallas again. One of these Mike Jasicki's or Evan Ingram yeah, goes to, right. to Dallas and suddenly uh, changes the. So I, I so I have Waller Schultz commit, Gasicki Ingram, and then Knox ends that tier, and then Everett starts a tier with a bunch of the 2022 rookies mostly in that tier. Uh, whereas like they're, they're producing and that turned out to be a better tight end class than, than, than we thought, but there's still reasons to maybe not really push them up higher than where I have them. And he's kind of like mixed. He's at the top of that tier. And then it's like a bunch of the 2022 rookies. So I have him. I have him at 17. Cause to me, he's like right below I'll put in two or three years with a Knox or a Gasicki or an Engram before I, before I put in two or th- well, Ingram's higher for you, but before I put in two or three years with, with, with Gerald Everett, but you know, I mean, he is tied to Herbert. So, I mean, there is, and you know, probably the offense, but it's not really like the offense was, was it really that big of a problem in, in LA with the Chargers this year? I mean, like they had injured weapons early in the year, but it, I mean, it seemed to me that the fact that they were a, a complete um, uh, run funnel defense, you know, like, it was the problem, no? Well, I, th- I think, yeah, I think there are definitely, yeah, you can't say the defense didn't have its problems, but um, it seems like you're, you're, you're complaining about golf, the low ADOT. It seems like that was Herbert this year, high volume, yeah. but a lot of low passing, mm-hmm. almost like, like Tom Brady with the Buccaneers. So uh, was, I think, an offense that designed to take advantage of Herbert's strong arm, maybe more needed. Was that the OC relying so heavily on, Eckler is a receiver and tons of dump offs is kind of almost like a first read. Does Kellen Moore bring an offense that will make more first read players as downfield threats mm-hmm. and allow Herbert to kind of push the ball down the field still quickly and kind of you know, set, set the plays up that way, which I think would help a tight end like Everett who's a bit more athletic can kind of stretch the middle of the field as, as a tight end. So mm-hmm. I kind of like the, the, OC is a bit of a boost for him too, compared to maybe Dulcich. I think the way Peyton designs routes, like whoever's the slot receiver is going to get so much that volume, I think. Mm -hmm. And uh, I guess the one concern with Dulcich is what does Alberto Cuebanon's role fit on the team? 
are they playing a bunch of two tight end yeah. sets and they can yeah. both thrive or is it something where they're each taking away from each other's playing yeah time? i mean I yeah, he he's probably salvageable he had a couple good plays there at, at the at the end of the year but when you say slot it's like well i mean dulcich was playing big slot so much this year even with you know the wide receivers healthy like his route participation was in like the high 80s with 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 russ so i don't know that i'm all that afraid of uh, you know of, of like him eating comparative to judy but i don't know yeah um so your your bonus Brings us back to the running back uh, position. It's funny because because I almost we want to talk about Denver a little bit with Javante Williams there, and you know dating back to their rookie class, I always thought Najee Harris was the RB one for me. I thought he I liked it better than I did Williams, and even through now, especially with Williams coming off the torn, having the torn ACL, like I'd rather have Harris. So I've got him at uh, RB six. You've got him at twelve. Mm-hmm. Not quite. You know the the Javante disparity is a little more extreme but you know i've got him kind of in a range similar where you have javante so that that kind of uh that next tier of younger running backs uh you know i like him more than a, a josh jacobs or a, a nick chubb as much as i love the talent of nick chubb give me that guy who's still on his rookie contract so in this case it's well, not yeah. i have him one notch uh, above nick chubb so i have him in a oh, tier okay. i have him in a tier of seven or thirteen and Harris is 12 and, and Chubb is, is 13. So um, the, the 12 on Harris, that is the bounce back ranking um, because uh, he's always been a, a, a guy who is low efficiency and needs hella volume, right? And when you're getting sometimes neither as he was and, you know, um, we weren't sure how much the foot was affecting him. And we saw the offensive line not really gelling. Yeah, I had him down at like, I think, 16 or 17 at one point, right? Yeah, I so remember my weekly rankings. He yeah. would be, yeah, sometimes even in the outside the top right. 20 at times in bad matchups. Right. So for, for, sure. so for me, this, this is the bounce back. This is a guy who came in as an older rookie. It, it, you know, it relies on a lot of volume with low efficiency. Is he gonna, And so, you know, it, it's kind of like a slightly younger – not that they're the same player, but a slightly younger Joe Mixon in that regard, like lots of volume, low efficiency. And so I don't really love him all, all that much. And I think I think kind of, you know, when he's like the RB one or two in a, in, a, in a draft class and gets a great landing spot, you know, so to speak, with the Steelers, I think I think we got a little over our skis with him. And um, yeah, I was talking about him and maybe so, being the RB two last year at some points of the offseason. So, yeah, the, the, like the Cam Akers hype, I definitely hyped it up a yeah. little much. So. Huh. Mm-hmm. Uh, I definitely would have dropped him. And yeah, I guess my, because my initial ranking was so high, the bounce back ends up being high mm-hmm. as well. Kind of like the cam maker. So it comes back to that same philosophy again. So at least mm-hmm. we're consistent, right? Um, <laughs> one last thing I'll say about Harris is yeah. I do think that foot injury did impact him. Uh, you know, a Liz Frank, I mean, you hear Liz Frank, it's usually pretty serious. And yeah, it seemed to be a, a lower grade strain because he didn't actually miss any time with it. But mm-hmm. um the it seemed like even just the one week rest of the bye week seemed to yeah. change things for him. If you take his points per game after the bye week and compare it to the rest of the league, he's a uh, back back half RB one as opposed worried, to when yeah, he finished yeah. as like a middling RB two. What worried me at one point with him is he was telling somebody like, "Oh, there's been this plate in my foot to like in, in the in the like, shoe right or whatever right yeah you yeah. know 
and we're taking it out now. And then after that, he still had two or three weeks of like nothing. And I was like, Ooh, his yeah. first week after the bye week was like right around like nine yeah. points, 10 points. But then I think then after yeah. that, he started getting the big games and there was a bit of a touchdown stretch yeah. right after that. But yeah. I guess that finishing stretch kind of that, that's what I'm going to buy in is more is the, mm-hmm. the real Najee. But uh, mm-hmm. to be fair, I mean, uh, like I said, you've, you've met RB 12. That isn't really so low, but it was more just, me wanting to talk up Najee. So I chose that as the yeah. bonus in the fifth one. Right on. Um, and for me, we've already talked about JMO and how much I love him. I guess for me, it's how are, how is he 32 and Dotson 47, um, you know, behind, behind guys that like, I just can't see them being behind. It's not so much like, I don't, you don't have to have JMO at 12. I get that. But 32 what's up with that yeah i didn't think that was that extreme uh, the consensus right now is 24 so it's funny we're both so extreme on it that it ends up being kind of in the right. middle yeah, yeah, yeah. um i guess i was thinking like you know where like i've got pickens at 30 i thought i even had him a little higher i have pickens at 34 and kind of if i were to map out where i'd you know rehash the the rookie wide receivers he ends up between christian watson and pickens for me uh, in terms of if, if I uh, were to redraft. And maybe, you know, considering the draft capital, maybe that is kind of premature to put Watson ahead of him. Uh, but I've got Watson at 29 and Pickens at 34. So James to be kind of just entered in that, you know, 32 right in that middle ground. Now, maybe I'm not bullish enough on him and he really does belong, at least in the top 30 ahead of Watson, which that would put him at 29 if I were to kind of like switch them around or at least mm-hmm. put him directly ahead. But yeah, I'm having... I guess he just hasn't shown me enough yet. Not his fault, again, coming off the, the serious injury. Never really expected year one to be a great year for Jamison Williams. And maybe, mm-hmm. like, I don't have any dynasty shares of him because I kind of expected that was not an asset I'd want to have in 2022. But certainly would be more willing to buy into him now. But, uh, yeah, not going to buy him off Brian. But uh, does, does, Brian's probably not selling Jamison Williams. It's certainly not the price he's going right now. No, I got him at the 601 in a startup and like my pants got tight. Like, like JMO at the 601. Oh, baby, this is, this is good. Um, you know, and I can get that. I think he's, I think this is kind of a punt for him this year. Right. And I think if he was, if he was kind of, if he was producing, you know, even, you know, I don't know, 75% of what Olave and, and Wilson were, were producing, you know, like, 70% of that. What would what would we think of him? Yeah, I might you have know? him more with Drake right. London and you, Burks you know? in kind of the mid-20s. And, yeah. But but also I guess Early I 20s. think for me it's like I can't see having Juju Mike Williams and Amari Cooper uh and ahead of him. And like and Probably like Christian Kirk too, who's another one you Christian Kirk, yeah, but like Terry McLaurin 13 spots ahead of him. Like I just I can't see it. I don't know. I guess I just yeah, yeah I've, I feel like last couple of years I've been a lot higher on Juju than consensus. That's one where I'm intrigued where he goes in free agency. That, sure. That's one where where he could really like that could really uh, catapult that ranking up or down. Um, the one I might even you're probably right. Forty seven might be a little low for Dotson. Uh, kind of looking now, there is a group. It's again, it's the tiers, and he's. He, I guess I put him behind this tier of a lot of older guys: Hopkins, Lockett, Allen. Evans, I suppose first round capital at wide receiver, 
Tyler Boyd, Kyle, you have Tyler Boyd ahead wow. of Jim. My most Dodger. rostered player in in 2022, Tyler Boyd. <laughs> I, I've I love Tyler Boyd. Uh, that one I will I will forever be too high on consensus over Tyler Boyd. Um, Keenan Allen. I'm looking. I've got Kadarius Tony at 38, and they're both you know first round guys, maybe unexpectedly first round guys. That's probably a fair comparison. So except Jahan Dotson's good. Well, I. I <laughs> Actually, like Tony a bit better, uh, but but I could yeah, I could yeah. maybe justify raising Dotson to be right behind Tony and put him at I guess would be thirty nine, which would make you a little happier, but probably uh, yeah like Tell you're you saying what. you've got him at uh, I'll bump up I'm on, so. I'll bump up I'm on uh, a couple spots if you, if you bump up Dotson a couple spots and we'll which we'll, I think we'll, is fair I did we'll sign a piece this exercise agreement. because it did kind of open my eyes <laughs> to a few of these guys if maybe okay maybe I'm being too harsh on or, or you know, to, I guess, in the case of Brock Purdy and Darnold, maybe too aggressive on. Uh, so, yeah, there, there's definitely a few that I can consider. I mean, you've probably sold me, on, honestly, on Ramondre, moving him up at least into the top 12. And, yeah, I'll probably uh, raise dots. And so at least you've convinced me on those two. Yeah, I think if if I – I'd say I'm a. I'd say I I did I did least flip flop JMO and Amon Ra based on this. You know I have them twelve and thirteen. I'll, I'll at least flip flop them. So Amon Ra is uh, finally a wide receiver one until there's a rookie yeah. that comes in and right to the yeah. first round. But but really, I mean, top twelve dynasty isn't necessarily a wide receiver one. Like wide receiver no. one is like what they finish in fantasy or what they are on your roster. Like I don't really even think of that as like a big number, like a twelve, when it comes to like my dynasty ranking. Um, and really, like, again, the, the, the difference is probably in the top six. And then, yeah. you know, seven through 15, 16 is probably not that much different anyway. So and 12 will, to 13 is this, it's a, this, like, magical line of they're suddenly producing all these more points for you. Yeah. I think I will also, um, uh, I will I will reflect and contemplate and ruminate and meditate on Cam Akers a little bit. That maybe I'm, um, I'm just been too slow to, to bring him back up. And why not put him ahead of Cook and Kamara, you know, like. Um, so, all right. Uh, I guess it's about time to land the plane. Um, please make sure you subscribe, rate, and review on the Going for Two audio, uh, Going for Two live audio podcast feed. If you're watching us here on YouTube, pretty much the same, right? Subscribe, like, comment, notifications, bell, 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 ding, ding, ding. Uh, time for plugs. Uh, Kyle, where can we find you and your work? One more time. So, yeah, so you can follow me on Twitter at Senra Says. As mentioned, uh, apart from going to I, I uh, do a couple of podcasts with full press coverage, and uh, I do run one of those accounts. You can also well, actually a couple of those accounts. So follow us on Twitter at FPC underscore Fantasy Pod. Follow the uh, full press Fantasy Pod, and uh, we'll return next week for a Super Bowl preview. Um, also follow the full press Packers Pod account at FPC underscore Packers. We just recorded our Super Bowl preview this week, so you can check that out uh, with the uh, full press Chiefs managing editor Braden Holacek. Uh, such a great uh, football guy. I, I always love talking to Braden, and he had a lot of good insight. We had a good conversation just to, about this Chiefs-Eagles game coming up. And, of course, check me out uh, on the, the Going for Two Live network. Again, every Thursday, or it would be every second Thursday now, um, on the Dynasty Gambit. So our next episode will be uh, next Thursday, February 9th at 8 p.m. Eastern. And then starting February 20th and every second week after that on press coverage, via the season three of press coverage here, uh, a little bit of a twist, some specific guests coming. I won't uh, spoil it too much. Uh, you know, it's been one-on-one interviews with different people in the fantasy industry, but there's 
a specific theme for the guests I want this year. And you'll change the questions a little bit this year to reflect that. So uh, mm -hmm. uh, join the, the special surprise from this year. Um, I, I, I did kind of just today confirm who my first guest is going to be. And it's, uh, I don't know if uh, I'll spoil that surprise yet, but it's a former Going For Two uh, live member. Uh, if anyone oh, who remembers okay. the Debbie Royale, which was part of the Going For Two live. Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I've, uh, you know, if you've been watching press coverage enough, I think I've had the other two on already. So if you narrow my process of emulation, you'll know who my guest is for this one. Well, I, I, I love all three of them, you know. Yeah, uh, for sure. So, yeah. Jeff Christian uh, and Kevin are all, all great, but... Uh, I guess uh, yeah, I had Kev I had a Christian on last year on uh, press coverage, yeah. so it's not him. Uh, but you can definitely check again. The all the video archives are still there on the Going for Two Live YouTube page from all our shows last year. So uh, that's the one thing about these press coverage shows is that they are pretty evergreen because talking about the, the people, you know, talking to the people about themselves and yeah. the things they like and uh, you know their history going up to football. So go back and check out several episodes, including the mm -hmm. episode I had with Christian Williams. But uh, yeah. Definitely get uh, one of those uh, Debbie Royale guys back right. on February 20th. So, yeah, check out uh, where I am on Going for Two Live Network and goingfor2.com for stuff like Dynasty rankings. And uh, eventually when the CFL season starts, I'll do my CFL DFS articles as I do every year. I'm sure I'll try and get some other articles in between for, for Jeff. But, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's me, Kyle Senra. So thanks uh, <laughs> thanks a lot, Brian, for having me on. Right on. All right. You can find me at uh, Twitter at FFJunkie underscore uh, Dynasty rankings and some articles up on Going for Two Dot com. Uh, we're going to be putting rookie rankings up there soon, too. Uh, speaking of, I just did a prospect profile on Izzy Abanaconda. My next one coming out is a name that's been on a lot of people's uh, lips lately, but I liked him before it was cool, Ty J. Spears. So uh, keep an eye out uh, for that. On Wednesday nights, I record an audio-only podcast called uh, Dynasty Fever, <clears throat> and the episode dropped on uh, Thursdays. Uh, that's with Jesse Schneeman from the Dynasty Warzone family of uh, of products, if you will. And we will uh, we'll be having Matt Hicks from Rookie Big Board on uh, this this upcoming week. So uh, we'll be recording Wednesday and dropping uh, on Thursday, February 9th, my birthday. Uh, and so uh, make sure you check out the entire Going for Two family of content. We got a lot of podcasts, a lot of live shows, um, even into the offseason, as we've been we've been saying. Uh, pretty much every night of the week, uh, obviously the website. And when you're on the website in the little bottom, right, there's a little purple discord thing. Click on that, join the free discord community. It's on and popping lots of conversations in, in the channels. Uh, uh, me telling people why they're wrong about rookie prospects, um, uh, you know, and all sorts of uh, fun stuff. Uh, yeah. And then, and, and Tom and Tom and Jeff uh, going at it uh, as well. Uh, all right. So, um, Again, Kyle, thanks so much uh, for taking time out of your, your busy life to, to fill in uh, for Josh. Uh, and uh, we'll, be back, uh, we'll be back next week uh, with a Dynasty Saturday Night Five. So that's a wrap. Thanks for being with us.